If you have your Bibles, I want you to meet me, if you would, in Matthew, 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 Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11, Matthew 11. Go long. Thank you. Good hands, Brosnan. Matthew chapter 11. As we continue in our series entitled Rest. Say rest. Rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Say rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, get this, rest for your souls. One more time, say rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen, Lord, thank you for your word. Now, in the time we have together, I want to jump back into our series entitled Rest. Uh, we're going to deal with this for the next few weeks, and we're going to continue to build on this concept of rest. As it's one that's often overlooked, omitted, but it is without question central to our faith. Central to our faith. It is something that is not a suggestion or an option, but at the heart of our faith. This concept, this idea of rest is something God wants us to enter into, wants us to move into. And this is not simply ceasing from our labors in the attempt to be right in God's sight. That is, that is a part of it as it relates to the, the salvific rest, the rest that has to deal with our salvation. But across the board, this is a concept for life. There is a rhythm to life. There is a cadence to life. There is a, a, a rhythm God wants us to move into. You see it all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Before there was ever sin, we've made this rest simply about salvation from sin and righteousness before God. But before, before there was ever sin present, before there was ever a sin consciousness, there was this idea of rest weaved into the fabric of creation as God begins to create, the Bible says, the heavens and the earth. If you remember, he labored for six days and then on the seventh day he did what? Now, was it because God was tired that God was rested? The Bible declares that he's the God that neither sleeps nor slumbers. He, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. When he... Um, uh, gives of himself or exudes strength or something of, from his essence, he is not depleted in the same way we're depleted when we give of ourselves and need to go home, take a nap to try to do it over again. So when God institutes this idea of rest, it wasn't because he was tired, it was because he was setting into motion a pattern for our lives, a pattern for our existence. Notice the cadence, notice the rhythm. Rhythm. He doesn't tell us that we need to live in balance, but in rhythm. He works for six days, and then on the seventh day, he rests. What was he trying to show us? That worked into the fabric of every one of our lives, there needs to be a ceasing from our labors, a rest, a rest. Not just physical rest. Not just rest from our striving in order to please God instead of resting in our identity. Not just that, but across the board, our faith is to be in God and he is the one that is to bring about results in our lives as we co-labor with him. It is a comprehensive rest the Bible speaks of. Not only is it there in 
Genesis, but we find it all the way at the end of the book in Revelation, where they will cease from their labors. From Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between, God is concerned about this issue of his people living in rest. Because it's the rest, rest in God's provision, rest in God's protection, rest in God's direction, rest in God's sufficiency, back to our prophetic word for this year that moves us into a distinction and separates us out from the rest of everyone else. It separates us. This is not just another philosophy. This is not just another belief system, but it is a faith. Pardon the, the, the pun, but it is a faith that rests in the supply of God. Not that we don't have a role to play. But there is this dependency, this co-laboring with God. And the tension is, as we shared in the weeks past, that we'll find ourselves stuck in between rest. I'm not bringing that lazy boy out again today, all right. So you have to work with this. <laughs> the brethren were like, where did, where did it go? I mean, they, four or five of them had to bring it up last week. I said, listen, we're going to just do this. They get the idea. But there is this tension in between two things. Here it is. We see it. I'm going to show you. I want you, as you look at the Bible, to see it through the lenses of this, this reality because that's the way God meant for you to see it. You'll see it everywhere when you understand this reality. We're going to go into something very significant next week, but I don't want to give it away. Today we're going to talk about this tension. We're often in between rest, the life God wants us to live, the life ordained and anointed by God, Productivity um, birthed out of intimacy with God versus <clears throat> building with brick. We already know what this example means if you don't get caught up. Brick is always, when you see brick in the Bible, it speaks of what men constructed. There's nowhere where God did something significant biblically where they built with brick. It was always with stone. Brick was not that which was from a natural source. Here's the idea. Stone was what was, what was carved from a natural source, that which God created, and men worked with God. Builders worked with God to construct what God desired to build. Brick always represents human effort, human striving, and labor independent of dependency on God. We're going to get into this next week. You've never even seen it before, but let me open up your eyes again. You'll see it throughout the entire narrative. When you look at the Tower of Babel, it says, hey, come let us build a tower to the heavens. You go back in Genesis 11 and see what they tried to build that tower with. It was not stone, but it was brick. Men's human ingenuity without the blessing, the favor, and the sufficiency of God. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's temptation to build with brick. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to get this done by any means necessary. I'm going to hustle hard. I, just as long as you're, it's cool, hustle hard. Do it, boo-boo, do it. But just make sure, listen to me, that, that the origins are are, are, are from a place, the internal motivator or driver is from a place of rest, not human striving. You can be active in rest. Rest simply speaks to the origins, the motivation for your action. 
But there's constant tension between building with stone or brick and, and, and building from a place of rest. And here Jesus comes to people like many of us. You got a good night's sleep potentially, but you're worn down. You're worn out. And if you know what I'm talking about, I, I, I want you to, 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 to track with me. Often us being worn down is not just a physical depletion. But there is a frustration in us working, giving twice the effort for half the results. You know what it is to work in the grace under the anointing, under the favor of God where things begin to come together. And even if they don't come together, you, you, you're not, you're not um, leveled by your difficult days. But there's a grace that sustains you even in your difficult days. Your boss may have cussed you out. But when you're functioning in the grace of the living God, there's a resilience that comes over you. You're able to face another day. You're able to bless the Lord in the middle of difficulty. But when you're striving and you're building with brick in human effort, even with all green lights, it feels like you've run a marathon. There, there, is, there is this tension because often God takes too long. God is too slow. We talked about a couple weeks ago the timeline of God. Jesus looks at a people who, who have been over here building with brick, laboring with brick. And in this case today, it was not what they demanded of themselves. Listen to me. It is what others demanded of them. So they, they were born into a framework of labors, laboring to try to get God to love them, laboring to do enough works to be accepted by God, laboring in not only the 600 plus laws that were prescribed for them, but they had in addition to the 613 laws prescribed for them, they had the Pharisees adding their own interpretation of the 613 laws. And so now they're not only attempting to live the 13, 613 laws, they have to try to take on the burden of living with the interpretation of the Pharisees and their various schools of thought, their various schools of ministry, the various teachers of the law. So on top of the 613, they have heaped on that the interpretation of these men on earth are telling them that this is what God wants and here's how you're supposed to do it. So in addition to the burden of trying to live this faith out, they're living a life, now here's what will take your rest, that is not in communion with God where directives are coming from God. It's not even what God really requires from a place of rest. But can I tell you where you move out of rest? Rest does not mean there's no labor. Rest does not mean there's no physical activity. Rest does not mean you're not functioning. It is, again, the motivating factor for your function. I'll tell you where they, 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 they were moved from a place of rest into building with brick when they felt as if they were not good enough unless they checked all. They only felt they were good enough if, if they checked all of the boxes. Not only the 613, but everyone's interpretation of the 613. Now, I know what you're saying. Uh, th there's no one uh, interpreting God's law for me. But, yeah, there's a whole lot of folks interpreting life for you. What must be done, what you 
should be doing, what is required, what is expected of you. There's some, no one even has to say it directly anymore because you live under the shadow of the image people expect you to present, whether it's the family image, whether it is the religious image, whether you've become the good friend in your Christian circle because you pray for everybody else and every now and then the good friend has a moment, but you're struggling because you're trying to be the good friend and meet everyone's expectation and there's human frailty and you don't even know what to do with your human frailty uh, and you're trying to build with bricks. It's not only what God requires, but it's the expectation of everyone else. I tell you what happens when there's an expectation of everyone else, you, you start to get weighed down. Some of you listening, you're so weighed down, the expectation of everyone else and what you're supposed to be and what you should be doing and how you should be doing it, that you've lost yourself. You've lost yourself. You've lost your communion with God. You're frustrated and don't even know why you're frustrated. You're going to sleep tired and waking up mad no matter how early you go to bed because it's not a challenge with physical rest in your body. It is a torment in your soul. And torment in your soul does not simply come when you are acting a plumb fool and living in pronounced sin. Torment in your soul comes whenever your soul takes on more than it was meant to bear. And here's the problem. I wish I had time to work this. If you don't know your limits, other people won't make them for you. If you don't know your boundaries, other people won't create those for you. If you don't know the difference in between what really God requires and what is a religious construct or what re God really requires and what was the expectation of your parents growing up and God blessed them for the foundation they laid. But there's some stuff that they took on from their pastor who didn't know, but because they respected their pastor as opposed to really finding out if their pastor was passing on to them what God required, they just pass it on to the next generation, and that generation passed it on to the next generation, and now there is generational expectation for stuff God never ordained or required. I want to talk to some heavy folks. I want to talk to some people that have been buried under the weight of this thing and are saying like these dispirited people who were worn out and didn't even know what was causing them to be worn out. They were seeking God, but it wasn't life-giving. It was becoming more fatiguing. They felt as if it was a duty. And we have perpetuated that in our own time. We have said you must suffer. Yeah, there is a suffering, but not the suffering the Bible was talking about. We have needless bruises in our generation, needless bruises in our time because we're taking things on that God never ordained. And Jesus comes to people that are in the same predicament as we're in. He says, I see you. I see you. I see you trying. I see you laboring. I see you trying to be right with God. I see you trying to discern what God really desires and looking to the voices of reason. I, I see you. He says, I see you trying to navigate this space called life. I see you trying to seek the face of God but waking up every day more worn out as opposed to celebrating this, this life and life more abundantly. It feels, here's what it feels like. It feels like a heavy yoke. Because building with brick 
is not only seen in our own human efforts to be seen, to be important, to be noticed. Building with brick does not only speak to the times where we, we, we build out of insecurity, out of fear, out of a sense of inadequacy. That's building with brick. But building with brick also is creating a religious form in order to be right with God using things that God never required. Jesus comes on the scene <clears throat> and he says, I want y'all, all y'all worn out folks. <laughs> Have you worn out folks in the house? People living under the weight of expectation. He says, come here. He says, he says, I wish I had more time. I wish I had a retreat with y'all, but I got to go. He said, come to me. And it's not an invitation for everybody. He says, listen, this party ain't for everybody. Here's who it's for. He says, if you're weary and, and, and you feel walking with God, but feel worn down. He says, some, some of that's not coming from physical fatigue. Some of that's coming from soul fatigue. Some of that's coming from misalignment as it relates to what God's expectations are. Because you've had people that have re represented God to you that have added their own spin on stuff. And they may have been doing it with good motives. But it has burdened your soul with what it was not meant to sustain. He says, if that's you, come here. Come here. Yeah, come, come on. If that's not you, don't worry about it. You stay over there. He said, but if that's you, come on. And I will sit you down and give you rest. Rest for your soul. Let me take it a little deeper. He says, I'll give you rest for your soul. Then he begins to go on this weird language. He says, um, for my yoke is easy. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. Learn from me. Now, he wasn't just saying come and get saved. He was saying come to me, take my yoke, take my way, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And he says, and learn from me. Here's the problem. Many of us in this room have been saved but not learned his way. And we've taught in the contemporary church because we've been hijacked by the evangelist that if you come down and confess your sins and receive Christ as your Savior, then everything falls into place. And if you've been walking with Jesus longer than two years, you know that that is a lie. And nobody will tell you, but I'll tell you. Yeah, there's some stuff you have to work out after salvation. No, you don't just get saved and your eternal destination change and everything fall into place. No, no, no. There's some mindset that needs to be renewed. There are some, some, some theology that needs to be straightened out. There are, some, there are some ways that are inconsistent with God's pattern that need to be shed. No, there needs to be a process. And it is not guaranteed because you've made Christ your Savior that you won't still be miserable through circumstance that he hadn't meant for you to be buried under here on earth. Forgive me, I love evangelists, but we've been hijacked. The assumption is that all I need to do, you may grow up like that, like all you need to just get saved, it'll fix everything. No, no, it'll change your eternal destination. 
It'll, 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 you'll have an encounter with God if, 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 if you understand it the right way. But there are people that are saved still living in the bondage from things that Christ freed you from, us from. And I'm not just talking about sin. Are you with me? That's part of it. I'm talking about taking on spiritual activity or requirements that God never required. There needs to be a new alignment. I mean, this is, listen, this is when evangelism really works. This is when the faith becomes contagious, when they see someone living from this place. In a world where everybody's telling you you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not big enough, you're not known enough, you don't have enough followers. When they see someone living from this place, it arrests their attention because they notice, they can smell it on you. It's almost as if the entire world is striving toward only what can be accomplished in human effort. But when they find someone who's on God's timing, on God's pace, and, and in partnership with something greater than themselves, with full confidence that everything, God, I feel like... Preaching, uh, if, I, if I could, like the old folks used to say, I have a feeling everything's going to be all right. Listen, when they find people that are living from that place, it, it creates a magnetism. Because we, we, we live in a world that's constantly striving and buried under that striving, building with brick. All right, let me go, because I have to go, for real, for real. Now, here, here, here's the picture. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Don't just come to me for relationship, but learn my ways. Learn to enter my rest. Learn my pattern for living because as I've come to walk amongst you, I didn't just come to save you, but I've come to model also an anointed humanity for you, to create a pattern for you to follow me in, a pattern for your lifestyle and living. He says, come to me. Yes, salvation is part of it. And ultimate salvation has to do with all of this. But here's the idea. Not just to get your fire insurance. He says, but come and learn of me, learn my ways. I work from a place of rest. And here's the idea. If you take on my ways, you receive rest for your soul. For my, here it is, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now this speaks to two things. If you're Antioch, OG Antioch, you know this already. If you're taking notes, if you don't know this, take, take it down. A yoke represented a couple things. When the Bible says yoke, it was a literal physical illustration, a picture and I love this picture, and we'll talk about this in a moment. It creates a distinction from, you know, for, for, for the, the, the person of that time. It takes this idea of building out of rest or your own human efforts to another level. It gives another picture for that, the yoke. In an agricultural society, oxen would plow the fields, and the yoke was the instrument around their neck as they would work, as they would plow the field. So number one, that is the most basic practical idea of what a yoke is, right? We know that. We'll come back to that. But in Jesus' time, this idea of yoke, a rabbi's teaching was known as their yoke of teaching. So, so it, was, it was their own. I told you there were 613 laws, but then there were multiple interpretations of those 613. And people were trying to figure out what they needed to do, what the requirement was. And they are running from one teacher to the other. Or some had a camp and they interpreted this way. The others had a camp, they interpreted that way. Jesus says, listen, you guys have all these yokes on you, all these uh, um, bents in rabbi's teaching. All these schools of teaching on what God requires. The problem is, as I look at it, he says, 
it's wearing all y'all out. Ain't nobody carrying the joy of the Lord. <laughs> you ever been there to church service and walked in like, my God. Ain't no one, I don't want, listen, I love Jesus, but I don't want none of what they got. I'm out of here. Anybody? No, not me, just me. Okay, all right. I'm just real dusty even to say I just, you know, I walked in churches. I'm like, this is whack. I'm leaving. I've been places and I feel like I need to take two showers after I left. Like, what was in there? But I'm a spiritually sensitive. I'm a different guy. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> all these schools of thought, all these yokes, all these ways. He looks at them and says, listen, all y'all worn out. And that's not God. I want to move on, but can I just camp right there? There's some stuff that's weighing us down. Let me just tell you, y'all, that ain't God. And some of us have made that God's requirement and are suffering for stuff heaven's not even applauding. It ain't God. We're going to come back to that. We're going to camp out here. I'll make you so uncomfortable for a few weeks and then I'll let you go. He says, come to me, all your weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My teaching, my way is easy. Okay, here's the question. He says, put that down. Put that teaching down. Put that expectation down. Put that requirement down. Put everyone else's expectation down for a moment. And we're going to build from the ground up. What makes Jesus, he says, what makes my yoke easy? Here it is. Jesus' teaching was easy. Not the path. Life's path is not always easy. But when he says that my way is easy, the expectation I have for you, the, the, here's another word instead of easy. It is, here it is, it's well-fitting. He said, take my teaching on you. From my teaching, it'll, yeah, it'll fit, it, it fits well. Have you ever been shopping and wanted to, to, to get something, you had an event to go through too, and you didn't want to just go to your, your normal route, you wanted to shut it down. Anybody ever been there? You wanted to shut, okay, you guys, two, okay, four people in the whole building, been to an event and they wanted to shut it down. Right, let me try this again, super saints. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to just go to an event and shut it down? Thank you, Glenda, thank you, I appreciate it, me too. Listen, I'm saved, me too. I'm like, I'm going to shut it down today. <laughs> Thought I was ordinary. I ain't ordinary, I'm going to shut it down. <laughs> And so you, you have a different intensity. You don't go to the same racks, you know what I mean, that you normally go to. I mean, you go shopping and, you know, stuff fits and it kind of fits, but it doesn't fit. It doesn't wear, right? Like, it's cool when you stand like this. You know what I'm saying? You have to keep standing like this. And that's cool. The guy's like, oh, it looks good. It looks good. Like, but what about when I do this and the coat just flies open? You know what I mean? You just... My wife tried to get me set up yesterday. I told her, we're back from, babe, I want to, you know, come in there, and I don't want anything that's fitting funny. I was going to give a coat to my son. It was a dope coat, and I put it on. The coat looked good. She's like, it looks good. I said, it does not look good. She said, it looks good. I said, it does not look good. I said, listen, I can't even move my arms up like this. It's like, oh, nobody cares about that. I said, man, come on. What am I going to do? You raise my hand. All over the building. Lift your hands all over the I'm like, no, I want to get my hands up tomorrow. I mean, where you go and put... The coat on, it looks cool, but I'm like, ain't going to the party like this. You know what I'm saying? I ain't walking like that. I'm going to hug friends. I'm going to dance a little bit. I do dance. See, some of y'all still in the yoke God didn't create. Christian shouldn't dance. Let his holy dance. Shut up. Shut, just shut up, Pharisee. Jesus did never, never said that. God did not say don't dance. 
I mean, not, don't freak. I mean, maybe not freak, but dance. Come on. I can salsa if I want to. Sheesh. Get on my nerves. All right. Let me go. We got to go. So, you know, it, it, he says, this coat I'm going to put on you, I've seen you. He said, you know, you got it on, but it, your buttons pull in with this man's teaching. He said, you tried this outfit on, but when you can't lift your hands, but this high. It's restricting your spiritual function. He said, I've seen you, I've seen you try this outfit over here, but it's so tight you got to walk like this. You know what I mean? And you want to be able to get a full stride. He says, listen, I have a teaching. I have a way. Listen, when you put my stuff on, it's like custom. It's bespoke. It falls just right on you. He said, my teaching, my way is well fitting. And can I tell you what a weary soul needs more than anything? It needs a faith that is well-fitting. It needs a life that is well-fitting. It needs an existence that is not constantly, uh, does not constantly have it in striving, but one that is well-fitting. He said, my way is well-fitting. Why is it well-fitting? Because, notice this, what was his modus operandi? What was the engine that drove Jesus' behavior pattern? He said these words. He said, I, you want to know what, is, what drove him? He said, you want to follow me in my way, here's my way. I only do what I see my father do in heaven. So here's the idea. Here's why my yoke is well-fitting, my way, my teaching is well-fitting for your life. Here's why it will provide you rest and not striving and wear you out. Because I do not require from you any more than God actually requires from you. And I know this is difficult. I know if it's God and if your parents come into God or your grandparents come into God or your preacher come into God's ways or your best friends come into God's ways or your social circle come into God's ways, then you're good. But all the extra things you heap onto your existence in an attempt to satisfy all that stuff, I don't require of you. Here's what I require of you. I require of you what God requires of you. Nothing more, nothing less. That's why it fits like like a custom coat. And if you really go back and dissect your life and find out the things that are taking your peace and stealing your joy and frustrating equilibrium in your life, you will find that it's not, not often is it God, but it's something someone added to what God prescribed. Jesus said, I'm not like that. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's go home. But it's interesting that he does not use the example that they use the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. He does not use the, the example out of Egypt. He does not simply say that bricks, don't build with bricks. Don't move into your own human ingenuity. Don't move into your own human striving. But he takes it deeper because he realizes the way we construct our life is the way, the way we choose to build our modus operandi, our, the engine that drives our behavioral pattern, the engine that we adopt for our lifestyle is what inevitably will affect every area of our life. We've tried to separate our relationship with God from the way that we build, from the way that we either trust God or go into our own sufficiency. We believe God for the elevation or go into our own human strivings. We assume that those are two separate things. I do church over here, but this is how I live. To, uh, this is how I grind in, in my life. But what, G what Jesus shows us is something completely different. He says, listen, if you want to get back to the place of rest, you want to get back to God's place, you want to find out what he requires of you before we get there. He says, listen, come to me, which means that it requires relational intimacy and proximity. 
that you will never get to the life of building and rest if there is no relational proximity to the Lord. If you are not cultivating on a regular basis intimacy with God, you would inevitably end up building a life with bricks. He does not say, stay and I will bring it to you. He says, come to me and I will give it to you. I will extend it to you. So here's a blues clue. If you want to build this the right way, do it in relational proximity because it's out of relational proximity. We'll look at next week as the they went in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. They didn't just have this great outpouring of God, but they first committed themselves to intimacy with God and with one another. They committed themselves to prayer, which produced all the rest. God began to reveal his will continually, right? So here's the idea. It must be done from a place of relational intimacy. You want to know God's will? You want to know what's next? Get back to a place of praying. Get back to a place of seeking God's face. Get back to a place of spending time with him uninterrupted. It, it, it's, it's intimacy. Come to me. All you worry, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Here's what he says. He says that if not, you end up building in your own human efforts with what you've constructed, with what you've concocted, and you will always end up frustrated. Because it's quite possible to make billions but still have no rest in your soul. And if not careful... What will throw you off is the applaud of men and women looking at what you've cultivated without having the ability to peer into your soul. So you'll keep building because they say, oh, great job. Oh, you're the man. What a great business. What a great uh, effort. Oh, what a great practice. You, you'll keep building. And what they can't see is you're dying on the inside. Because here's the picture. I love that he does not just say building with bricks, but he uses the illustration of a yoke. Because here's the idea. You will either build and rest or you build with bricks. You either build and rest or you build with human strivings. But the reason that he uses this illustration is to show that you will not only build in error if you build with human striving. But here's the idea. You can't escape it. You always end up Wearing the material that you build with. That's why this time, he doesn't just correct them on the way they're building or the way they're doing life. But he said, no, please understand, there's a connection between the way that you're building and the way that you're feeling. Because if you build this way, you always feel the weight and the burden of doing it your way. And I know your friends are applauding you, but you know deep down in your spirit, doing it your way has not worked. I just want to be happy. Yeah you, yeah, you make everybody else think you're happy, but we know you built this thing with brick and you're weighed down in your soul. You've mastered the art of the illusion of a real nice selfie, but people don't know you cried yourself in the mirror and it took you all day to get the right angle to make it seem like you were happy because the world would assume that everything's working out. But in your soul, when you put your phone away, when nobody else is there, there is a heaviness on the inside of your spirit. You're weighed down because you can't. Cannot build with stuff and not wear it. He says, I see you. This is not the way you were meant to live. I see you. 
This is not the way you were meant to carry it. I see you. This is not the life and life more abundantly. I see. And here's what you're, where the frustration comes in. Because when you build with brick and you're weighed down with brick and you have a relationship with God, the expectation is that God will come and help you lift the load. That God will come and help you lift the burden. But can I tell you something real quick? God does not grace you to carry loads that he didn't order. Let me try this side. God does not grace you to carry loads that he does not, did not order. You know in your spirit that you built this in striving and you built it for your own name and you built it to prove something to somebody and you built it because you didn't think there was enough value in you. You built it innocently because they told you that this is what you need to do to be pleasing with God. And I can tell you, it will weigh you down and God does not come to help lift burdens or lift loads that he never ordered. Yeah, God does not sign books that he did not author. And so what do you do? You're frustrated because you're weighed down. You're frustrated because it doesn't seem like God is accelerating your plans. You're frustrated because it doesn't seem like God is aiding you in carrying the load that has you heavy. He said, I will not help you carry a load out in order. But he does say, I'll do something about it. He said, but it must be on my terms. He says, come to me. I know you're burdened. I know you're weary. I know you're heavy. I know you're tired of living like this. You're trying to keep up facades in front of everybody else. But way down in your spirit, God says, listen, I will not help you carry that. But what I'll tell you what to do with it. He says, if you could put that down and give it to me, trust me, he said, I'll give you rest for your soul. It may not look like you're successful immediately, but I promise you your blessing's on the way. It may not look like everything's working out, and I know I'm taking a while to do this, but I promise you I'll make it happen. And even if it's not what you expected, when, when you build from this place, you can do it in peace. When you build from this place, you can get good sleep at night. When you do it from this place, you wake up in the morning saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I don't have everything I want. I don't have everything I dreamed of, but I shall rejoice and be glad in it. And people looking at you saying, wait a minute, you don't have millions. You don't have billions. But you can look at them and say, you don't know what I was carrying. You don't know what he delivered me from. You don't know the weight that was in my soul, even though it looks like I was blessed externally. You don't know what he's taken off of me. And I may run this race. As we close, he says, come to me. You're weary, heavy laden, building your own way, in striving. You feel like you're getting behind, I get it. You felt like this is what you need to do to please God. I get it, he said, but listen, I need you to put it down. Yeah, put down the expectation. Put down the pressure. Put down the grind. 
that comes without the peace of the Lord. If God doesn't give you his peace, you don't need it. If God doesn't give you your blessing, his blessing, you don't want it. If God doesn't give you his favor or his grace, it is not for you. You can move on to the next station. You can move on to the next relationship. You can move on to the next place because if it's not what God has for you, what he does have, have for you is a little bit further down the road, but you get there not through a place of labor. You get there through a place of rest, intimacy with him. Come to me. I hear him saying to somebody in this place, come to me. I'll give you the very thing you've been looking for and then everything that you wanted to. And come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. So, Father, I thank you. God, I praise you for the rest. And you grant your people you have never ordained or desired for us to, to bear a heavy yoke. But with every heavy thing in life, in your will, you come alongside us to carry it, to lift the load. And so, Lord, I thank you for divine alignment. I thank you for decisions in this place today. I thank you for discernment concerning what is constructed of brick. Well, then I thank you for the boldness to put down, to put down, to put down every burden. that has weighed down your people. Now, Lord, I pray, I speak in this place, I declare an open invitation by your authority. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I speak rest in this place. Rest to minds, rest to bodies, rest to spirits, rest to souls. We'll give you glory for it. God, honor and praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.